Join DJ and PK Tuesday, Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West in Woods Cross. All right, a series of messy games coming up for the Jazz. It's the worst team in the league, the Warriors. Tonight, only three wins. Do not join the club. The Pelicans joined the club. The Grizzlies joined the club. And I think it was the Blazers, the other team. Do not join the club. Do not get beat by the Warriors. These guys give up a gazillion points. You're going to score. If you just play a little bit of defense, you'll win. Jazz get the worst team in the NBA tonight. Tomorrow, the BYU Cougars get the worst defense in all of the football bowl subdivision. UMass giving up 52 points a game. We are joined now by Brian Keel, the red and the blue, and he joins us on the Sprint Special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing well. I don't think you ever played on a defense that gave up 52 points a game, but that's what the UMass defense does. Can you imagine... Your mental attitude if you gave up 52 points a game and then had to watch film of yourself every week giving up 52 points a game? I was, you know, I was actually thinking about some of the bad teams that I played on. Um, just just yesterday, um, I was on Checkett's show, and um, so we were talking about how bad UMass is, bless their hearts. And um, <clears throat> I, in high, Little League, high school and college, I was always on either decent or very good football teams. In the NFL, I was hit or miss. I, I did play on some really bad teams. Um, but these guys, I, I genuinely, genuinely feel bad for them because they are as bad a football team as I, as I have ever heard about or seen. And um, you talk about the mental attitude. I, I can't imagine. it. Would, I, I was just trying to – last night, I, after that – radio interview I was just thinking about it what that must be like every week just hopelessly going into each game um you kind of you kind of do I, I feel bad for the kids um tough tough spot to be in feel bad for the coaches it's just a rough season so I guess the worry here for BYU if you're trying to come up with something to worry about is that they'll go back there they don't pack their a game for the trip and they commit a bunch of penalties and a bunch of turnovers. You know, it's three turnovers and 100 yards and penalties. And they still win the game by, you know, 10 or 17 points. But nobody feels good about it. And that there's a hangover of that going into San Diego State. Do you believe that one game can lead into a hangover in another? Or is every game and every week its own thing? And even that isn't something to worry about. No, I absolutely think that every game affects other games. Um, I don't think – I think – I think football is a tremendous game of momentum. And for people who haven't played it or been around it, it's kind of hard to understand how this, this unnatural phenomena that you can't measure or quantify or hold or touch is very real nonetheless and impactful in, in the outcome of games, both within the game and within a season. And so I absolutely think that it affects the way that you play one play affects the next play and the way you play one week affects the next week. So, you know, if I'm on that football team, then I understand this game for what it is and I don't look at it for anything other than what it is, but I want to go out and I want to play well. I want to play clean. I want to execute. I want to build momentum, which, as I just said, is a real thing going into a very important game against a quality San Diego State opponent. You know, I think uh, one of the things I always think is uh, fewer plays, less chance of injury. It's a roll of the dice. You never know. 
You can get hurt on the first play of the game. But also it's a chance to develop young guys and play young guys and improve. But you talked about this a little earlier in the year, and I'm curious if you've changed your mind because you've seen somebody or heard about somebody, or if it still holds true, that the Cougars have had so many injuries. They've played the young guys you were curious about, and there won't be much to discover when they go down the roster, assuming they open up a big lead here. Yeah, they have uh, played the young guys. I saw a stat the other day, I think, I can't remember if it was Greg Rebell treated it, but interesting stat. It said that BYU leads the nation in number of players to have started a game this year. And it was like, uh, it was either 44 or 49, um, one of those two numbers. 44 or 49 players have, I think it was 49 actually, yeah, it's 49 players have started a game this year for BYU, which is pretty crazy to, when you think about it. So, you look at that, and that's, that's unfortunate. That's not ideal. Um, obviously, that's not normal. Um, so, but the, the, the silver lining of that is great development. And we have got some young, talented players that have seen the field this year that otherwise wouldn't have. And even though they've already seen it, that I, I, I still think, to answer your question, I still think you know every live bullet, live rep, is is critical and absolutely beneficial. So that's what I would look at this game. Um, you know, as as a, as a starter in the game, you know, I I would look at it as a, as, a, as let's crowd have fun, play well, pad the stats. You know, for me, we played um, Eastern Washington my senior year, and and that's how I looked at it. You know, I'm, I'm going to go get a bunch of tackles and an interception and sacks and try to. And have fun and, you know, classy and still with sportsmanship, but do all those things. And then the younger guys, you know, it's a chance to get out there, showcase, develop, and give the coaches an idea what they have working for next year. You know, one thing we see all across college football is when you have a good team, you usually have a lot of future NFL players. The 2008 Utes had it. The current Utes have it. If you go back and look at the BYU teams in the 80s that were just rolling up outrageous win totals. Well, they had a lot of NFL players. How many NFL, how many future, you're, you're an NFL guy yourself, how many future NFL guys do you see on the roster, um, e- even if they're not, uh, you know, one of the older guys or one of the younger guys and you got to project out a couple years? Yeah, so um, there, there, I think there's a handful of guys on the team. And, and I, I, I think our talent is and our athleticism even more than talent. We've talked about how those are similar but not identical. Um, I think our talent has gone up since I played, and I think our athleticism has gone up even more since I played. And I'll give you here's a perfect example of that. Okay, um, and th- so there's a group of guys that I played with, and um, we have a text thread. We text almost every day and about different things. The other night, the Chargers were playing. And someone in the text thread texted, I can't believe Mike Davis is starting for the Chargers. And um, for those who aren't familiar, Mike Davis was a cornerback, played at BYU a few years ago. And honestly, he was not a great college player. Um, he, he, was, he was very capable, like he's super talented, super athletic, big, strong, and fast. But he wasn't a great player. He didn't tackle well. He didn't play the ball well. He got beat a lot, and it was really frustrating because he had so much potential. Anyway, fast forward now, he's starting for the Chargers and is a good player for them. And the, the point is, you know, 
Mike Davis is the type of player that we didn't have on my team when I played at BYU. We didn't have a guy that ran a 4-3 at 200 pounds in the corner. Um, we didn't have that type of guy. And now BYU has that type of guy. And, you know, there, there are a handful of guys on the roster that are bigger and faster and stronger than the guys I played with. So the, the program is trending up in that way. Um, I do think they need to make even more improvements in that way because you, you mentioned Utah. Utah has trended up way more than we have in that department. But the, the program is ahead of where they were 15 years ago when I was there. Brian Keel joining us, the red and the blue here, talking a little uh, BYU football. Uh, I'm curious what you think when you watch the game or if you watched it back later on tape. Uh, Zach Wilson, because when guys come back and, you know, you hear different stuff about, well, he's healthy enough to play, but, you know, kind of the, that hand strength, the ability to grip the ball, and is he really comfortable? What, how close was he to 100% last week, and how much better will he be this week? And I guess most importantly, how much better do you think he'll be a week from now against San Diego State? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of factors that go into that. I've never played quarterback. Um, it's actually the only position on the field I've never played. Um, but uh, so I, I can't speak from experience, but um, obviously been around the game for a long time and talks to quarterbacks. I, I think there's two factors that go into it, um, and part of it is physical in terms of you know you come back from an injury and you're just getting over just the physical logistics of the injury, and then I think the other part of it is just rust. Um, when you're out of it, when you're not in the in the loop, when you're not in the routine, you haven't been going through practice, you haven't had reps, you haven't going through your mechanics and, and all the things that it takes to play quarterback and to play it at a high level. So I think the, the rust and the injury, just overcoming the injury, are the fact that it is why he wasn't as sharp as we've seen him before. I do I think he's a super talented. I've always been really high on him. Um, that I expect him to, to bounce back. Um, fortunately, he comes back against you know a couple lesser opponents to get ready for San Diego State, which looks to be a really quality opponent and a, and a, a key important win for us at the end of the season. And so, yeah, I do I do expect him to get back into form by that game. And that's the you know our schedule is not ideal. Uh, you don't want to be playing these types of teams in November. That's not the best, you know, it's ideally you're playing very meaningful games in November, but it comes at a good time, and uh, that, that last game of the season should be a good one. Kalani Sataki gets his uh, contract. He gets uh, three more years, so he's signed for four now. He's already been here four years. What do you think are the biggest challenges for him in the next four years? So I've always said, uh, you know, for the last, I don't know, eight years, that, that BYU's biggest impediment to progress in their in their athletic department is the honor code and um some people don't want to talk about it but i don't care i'll talk about it i think that is that it, that is a hindrance to our our progression and it, it affects the football and the basketball programs drastically more than any other athletic program um our other athletic programs you know like volleyball team soccer team, they're all dominating right now um, but football and basketball it affects the most, and so that will continue to be the the biggest obstacle for Kalani. Um, I have, you know, on the record as saying I am in support of the honor code. I like it. I'm glad that we have it. It is who we are, and I, I I'm not one of those people that wants to burn it down and eliminate it, as some people have advocated. 
I do think that the way that it's enforced needs adjustment. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed if the honor code was enforced by the honor system and there wasn't this bureaucratic body that's knocking on doors trying to get students. Um, but anyway, so the honor code is, is Kalani's biggest challenge. And the reason is because it just it ties one hand behind his back in recruiting. The lifeblood of every college football program is recruiting. And if you're recruiting with one hand tied behind your back, you're, you have an uphill battle. So that's, that's going to be, it has been Kalani's biggest challenge. It's going to continue to be Kalani's biggest challenge. And he, I think he's done a pretty good job of, of navigating it, but it's, it's always going to be there and it's always going to be something that he's going to be fighting against and something he's going to have to manage. So aside from that, what are the biggest football issues? So, so kind of tied into it, it's the same thing that we've seen this year, this year in depth um, and injuries. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting, you know, you look at the stats just at the quarterback position, um, in like the last, I, I, you know, I've seen some of these stats on Twitter and um, just offhand remember bits and pieces of them. But like over the last 10 years, I think there's only been like one year where we've started a, a lone quarterback all every game for the season. Um, we've just, we've had injuries at every position and for that, for some reason, a quarterback particularly. Um, so that's something that he, he has to, he has to overcome. Um, there, there's always, always going to be the mission. Um, it's, 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 I wouldn't call it an issue. I think it's a benefit. I absolutely love my mission. Glad that I went on it. I think that it is a fantastic builder and developer for young men and young women. And it's a part of who BYU is, but it is something that has to be managed. It's something that has to be navigated. And, um, so, that, you know, there's that hurdle that he has to deal with. And um, just the changing landscapes of college football, um, you know, with, with, you know, the different programs and the way that they have progressed and trying to keep up, keep up with the Joneses, you know, just different things that Kalani's, he, I think he's done a pretty good job, but it's going to be, a, it's going to be an increasing battle for him, you know, over the next four years. You know, you bring up the quarterback issue and the injuries there, and certainly they have had to just play way too many quarterbacks. But I just wonder if it's going to be okay the next couple of years because now they've got four quarterbacks on the roster who have started in one football games. None of them are seniors. they got a chance to bring them all back. I don't think there's a chance they will. Too many kids transfer in college. I don't know which one, or why, or where, but I just assume either one will. Maybe not if Jaron Hall decides that he's going to play baseball instead of football and he doesn't want to risk concussions. That would relieve some of the stress. But I figure they're going to have at least two and maybe three quarterbacks on the roster next year who've started in one games. Do you think I'm – am I on track there? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of funny um... – the, the one position where only a single guy can, can play at, a, at any given time is probably our deepest position group on the field. I mean, it's, it's just kind of crazy. Um, you know, if you're, if you're deep at, at linebacker, if you're deep at, at defensive back, you know, you can put all those guys out on the field and really benefit you, but, you know, you really only play one quarterback. Um, and it, it, it is blessed. I'm glad that we have that depth considering the injuries that we've had. And um, it's going to be nice, you know, going over the next next few years. I, you know, I don't know what will happen with any of those guys. Um, they're all competitors. They all want to be on the field, and I don't blame them. And, you know, if some of them wanted to transfer away, it's hard to fault them because, um, you know, you want to play. You go to 
college football to play college football, not to watch somebody else play. So it'll be interesting to see that how it happens. It's nice for the coaches, though, because you know you have that, that sense of insurance in your back pocket that should something happen to whoever is starting um, or who is playing, that we have other guys, not just one, but multiple guys who have not just game experience, but, but wins. They all have wins under their belts. And, and, and have played well in those wins. So it is, it is something nice. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Well, Brian, thanks for a couple minutes. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy what should be a blowout this weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep, should be a good one. Take care. Thanks. Have All right. Care. Brian Keel, and that's just something you say at the end. Should be a good one. I don't know. Maybe you like to watch your team just thrash somebody. It's 42 to nothing. We go to the third quarter, that kind of thing. Personally, I find it a little boring, but maybe that's just because I don't have enough emotional buy-in. Another touchdown. UMass giving up 52 points a game. I mean, that is a staggering number. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you've missed in this show coming up next. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz back home tonight to face the Golden State Warriors. Pelicans are here tomorrow. It's back-to-back at home. Both games start at 6, 7 o'clock. Pre-game show starts at 6 o'clock right here on 97.5 The Zone. Over on 1280 The Zone today, you can listen to the Aggies. 15th-ranked Utah State, a perfect 5-0, facing 3-1 LSU. Opening game of the Jamaica Classic. It's on the CBS Sports Network. Tony Parks will have the call on 1280 The Zone. Yep, look at the weather. And Tony Parks got to go to Jamaica. We'll just pause in the middle of the update to consider that. And then we'll move on. Scotty G's not there because he's calling a game tomorrow night. Three football games to track locally tomorrow. In the morning, it's BYU at 10 a.m. on NESN or streaming on Flow Football. Cougars and 1-10 UMass. Youths kick off at 8 o'clock against Arizona. And Utah State kicks off at 8.30 against Boise State. Scotty G has the call. Pre-game at 7.30 kickoff at 8.30. See that game on the CBS Sports Network. The Utes are on FS1. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing and get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. Big Show show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Sam Amick from The Athletic. You know, we've been able in the media for five years now to just fixate on the Warriors in the West for the most part, and then maybe a little bit the Rockets. And no disrespect to the Jazz, but it was like they were on that second tier, and the Rockets were too. But the Warriors kind of ruled the basketball world in the West, and you didn't do as much monitoring of these different teams. I'm having a hard time keeping up because I like taking a pulse on all of them. But right now, if I had to handicap a squad coming out of the West, it's probably going to be Lakers or Clippers. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm just continuing to shoot. You know, I think um, there were a few shots last game I, I didn't, I could wish I could have back for sure, but this time it's just continuing to shoot, be aggressive. You know, I think last year what I would have done probably is kind of second-guess myself and not really, you know, shoot as much this game, but continue to be aggressive. You know, I don't, not shying away from it. And it helps when you have guys that, you know, like Boyan and, and, and Mike and Jeff and, and everybody just saying, keep shooting. You know, not really kind of saying, like, look for me. Like, you keep telling me to be, keep being aggressive. You know, I think that's what really helps. 
That's Donovan Mitchell. Didn't shoot it particularly well against Minnesota, 9 of 24, 37.5%, but keep shooting to get on a hot stretch. Mike Conley's kept shooting. His shooting percentage is climbing. Overall field goal percentage still not where he wants it to be, I'm sure, mid-30s, but the three-point percentage now up around 37% this month, so start to get to the area where you expect. I think things are uh, coming together for him a little bit. I think with Mitchell, he's going to be a marked guy, and he's going to take a lot of shots, so just ride the roller coaster. Uh, you want to stay away from the truly horrific nights, but uh, there are going to be some 9-for-24s mixed in it. I think that's part of the role on the team when you're the big-time scorer you're going to be expected. I think, I think the positive is that now he's not the only big-time scorer. You know, a year ago, he'd score 20 points, and there'd be other guys who could score 15 to 18, but Bogdanovich had 30, and he's going to have more 25 and 30-point nights, and he'll have some 14-point nights as well. But they got another guy who can go off. Mitchell's not the only guy. But those two guys, whether they're hot or not, and, and Bogdanovich hit half his shots the other night, uh, they got to keep they got to keep scoring. they got to keep running stuff for them. I think that... Uh, I think Joe Ingles is really comfortable playing with those guys because he would rather set guys up. And those two guys, you want to set them up. And I think it's just a good fit. I think Joe with the bench, I know why he's playing with the bench group. Uh, they need offense. They need someone to create. It hasn't worked yet. Maybe it will. Quinn doesn't like to tip his hand on this stuff. And you'll ask him. And he'll give you answers, but he keeps them pretty general. No reason to you know tip the hand and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But how do you get some of these guys in positions to score? Jazz are number one in the NBA in defense. There have been times this year they've bopped maybe quickly to two or three and then right back up. They haven't been out of the top three. Offensively, though, they're about 25. <clears throat> so they've got to... They got to pick that up. Their offensive rating has got to be better than that. And Locke pointed out it's 29 in the second quarter, and yet they're still winning their second quarters. So we're looking at the kind of stuff they've got to improve, not because it's awful, but it is the kind of stuff that'll put them back in fifth in the West. And they're going to have to be better if they're top three because the Lakers look really good, the Rockets look really good, the Clippers look good, and they just got the first game of the two stars together. Imagine if the Jazz were this deep in the season and Gobert and Mitchell hadn't played, hadn't played together yet, what we would be saying about the Jazz. Oh, well, wait till they get their guys together. <laughs> well, that's what the Clippers are saying. So getting top three, we thought it would be hard. It's absolutely going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. So these are some of the things they've, they've got to get better offensively. They've got to get the offense to the point they're mediocre. And I think the thing with the bench is, you know, they're giving up these runs, and it was uh, an 18-to-1 run and that kind of stuff. When you're out there for six or seven minutes, you're going to get outscored. But if you could just get a couple more hoops, a hoop here, a hoop there, you know, suddenly in, in, in one, just one stop. So an 18-to-1 run is now 16-to-7. And that's not good, but as good as the starters have been, you can live with it. But 18-to-1 really turns your world upside down. You can't be doing that, which is what they did in the second half to end the third and start the fourth. And it's what they did to end the first and start the second in Minnesota. So we'll keep our eye on that tonight, but it'll be hard to tell because it's the Warriors and they're the worst team in the NBA and they've only won three games. Well, 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 look who wants to get in before the week is out. Rick the Dishwasher wants to talk jazz. Rick, good morning. DJ. So, what do you think the mystery is of Conley not fitting yet? Oh, I think. I he, mean, but I think he is fitting, Rick. 
I think he's on his way. Do I think he'll play better down the line? Yes. But I think if you look at how he's played in November, how he's played in November versus how he's played in October, I think he's clearly figuring stuff out. And I assume, you know, we weren't around him all the time when he was in Memphis, but everything you heard is that this guy is a high IQ basketball player. And then he comes here and everything the Jazz say are that. So the high IQ basketball player is the guy who's going to figure stuff out. I figure he's going to be better in December than he was in November, and he's clearly better in November than he was in October. So while he He's not. He hasn't arrived yet. Uh-huh. He's going to. Let's worry about something else. I can get over the missed shots and the runners at the hoop, which he was supposed to be the best at, and he was supposed to be the best at the lob pass, uh, pick and roll. But we are literally not seeing anything close to that. He's a turnover machine so far. That I can understand. Well, okay, and you're breaking up. You're breaking up now, Rick. We just we just lost your signal. Uh, he was there were issues early with turnovers. He just played a turnover free game in Minnesota. So let's see what he backs it up with these next two nights. I think that's going to get better. My problem with the lob, I don't think the issues with the lob are the guys who are. Well, that's not true. There are issues with the guys who are throwing the lob, but I don't. I think the issue is with what Rudy can catch and the lobs the guys are going to throw. The lobs that are thrown to the rim where Rudy goes and gets it are way more effective than the lobs that are thrown to Rudy three feet from the rim where he catches it and then he has to go up. Watch for that. It's very different. When you throw the lob near the rim and Rudy goes and gets it and dunks it, the success rate is outstanding. When you throw it three or four feet from the room and he catches it and then he's got to go up, it's iffy. And some of them don't get caught. Thanks for the call, Rick. All right, in addition to the Jazz, other stuff we have talked about today. Uh, we've had the red and the blue on. Kyle Gunther, Brian Keel. Both guys preaching. Well, Kyle Gunther came on and said, yeah, Arizona looks bad, and yes, you should push them around, but there should be no motivation issues because you don't get to play that many football games, and it's fun to be completely unleashed. You don't. You, there's a little bit of contact in practice, but not much. Kyle Whittingham was just talking about it at his press conference this week. They just haven't cut the guys loose, and it's helped keep them fresher. It's helped keep them more injury-free. And he said it's a veteran team. You don't have to. They know a lot of stuff. With a younger team, you might need to play more. And so... In practice, go live more in practice. And Gunther came on and said, these guys ought to be chomping at the bit. They get to go hit people and move the line of scrimmage, and there's really no reason that the Utes shouldn't be right at or covering that 23-point spread. They had to thump Arizona. Arizona just fired the defensive line coach. They've already fired the defensive coordinator. They whacked another defensive coach. Yak, do you remember who, the third, who was the third guy they got? Because they just let the D-line coach go. And the coordinator's gone. There's one more. It was the linebacker's coach. Linebacker. So the guy in the secondary is like, yeah, so far so good. Well, they, <laughs> they moved up a defensive analyst to the defensive coordinator role and like the someone's like top advisor. Yeah, but you, is but the, you can't fix it. Yeah, Gun, exactly. Gunther was talking about just guys yeah. out of position. He tweeted out the uh-huh. a pig. He talked to us about this play where they just came right out against Oregon and almost immediately blew a coverage. Correct, yeah. And let the wide receiver run down the right sideline. Yep. And not surprisingly... <laughs> 
hey, 75-yard touchdown. Here we go. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, we know how that Well, happened. we also played a clip earlier from Kyle Whittingham where he's like, you can't change much at this point in the season. You can change yeah. philosophy a little Gunther bit. Gunther was talking about guys being yeah. out of position, linebackers not in the gap they're supposed to be in, which means Zach Moss is yeah. going to get through that first level mm-hmm. and the linebacker's going to run spot and Zach Moss is going for 20 yards unless he's going for however many yards it is to the end zone. And there's no overhaul coming for Arizona right. until the offseason. And we talked to Brian Keel about UMass and how horrific is it to give up 52 points and then have to go watch on film as you give up 52 points every week. They're 1-10. They beat Akron. So we got another blowout here. So we talked Jazz, Utes, Cougars, but the fact is uh, all these everybody ought to roll in their next game. Uh, there, there's, no, there's no real drama to be had there. The other thing is, conspiracy theorists, gather round. Okay, so PK and I have been talking, and PK wrote a column that's got a lot of backlash. We've been talking about how hard it's going to be for Utah to make the playoff. Are there scenarios that exist? Yes. Could they do it? Yes. Is it likely or probable? No. No, it's not. And the system's rigged. It's rigged against you. It's rigged against leagues. It's rigged against teams. They want brand names from brand name leagues. And there's already one thing happening. It's in the poll. You can see it for yourself. It doesn't make any sense, and it backs up exactly what we're talking about. Minnesota and Penn State played, and they were both undefeated. And it was a huge game, and Minnesota won. And I give Penn State their only loss of the year. Penn State's got to play Ohio State this weekend. They may slash probably will get a second loss. See how that goes out, how that plays out. Minnesota got beat by Iowa. Now they're both 9-1. and Iowa's a ranked team. The game was at Iowa. Consecutive games against ranked teams is not surprising. Minnesota got dropped below Penn State. Why is that? Minnesota beat Penn State higher to higher, or head to head. They should be the higher ranked team, and they're not. And the skids are being greased for the Rose Bowl to take the higher ranked team. They'd rather have Penn State than Minnesota. And I think if we talked to a lot of you fans, if they were honest, they'd rather play Penn State than Minnesota. Why? Because Penn State's got a bigger name. But that's precisely the logic that is going to screw a Ute team, even if the Utes earn it on the field. And if they go 12-1 and and they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, will the people running the playoff want a team with a bigger brand name? Will they find a way to say, well, 12-1 and Oklahoma, and, and they've got a guy who you know, played quarterback at Bama, and everybody knows who he is, so let's, let's put uh, Hurts out there. And let him run around and throw it around because nobody really knows who Utah is. I'm afraid that'll happen. Now, they've got to get to 12 1. They've got to win the game first. And there's other stuff that could happen. And if Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game, then the SEC is getting two in for sure. (laughs) They just are. I just can't believe that would work out any other way. So you do have to watch these games. There are eight teams battling for one spot. But given a chance, I expect the committee to pick a bigger brand name. And if you want to argue brand names that are in the hunt right now, the Utes are at best six. I don't see how you can argue they're five. Look at the brand name Oklahoma and Alabama are carrying around. Now, maybe they'll get a second loss and they'll be out of the hunt. And you could argue the Utes have a better brand name than Minnesota, but I think Minnesota's going to get a second loss from Ohio State in the, in the conference title game and be out of the hunt. Maybe they'll get it from Wisconsin in the regular season finale. And Baylor. 
I could see the Utes getting picked over Baylor, too. And if it comes down to that, there are paths for them to get in. <laughs> Man, everybody better root for Bama to lose to Auburn because that's a big roadblock and get that exactly. roadblock out of the way. Let's go, Auburn. You can get through a few other things with that one out of the way. That's the toughest. That's, that's a tough, a tough one. one. And, and if Georgia beats LSU, that's another tough one. Correct. Honestly, I think if Ohio State loses to Penn State or to Minnesota, that's also a difficult one. So I would, I would root. If, if you want the Utes in the playoff, you got to root for LSU and Ohio State to win out. They're going to get in. They'll be undefeated. They'll win the Big Ten and the SEC. They'll be in. And along the way, they will knock three of these eight teams out. And the Utes can knock one out themselves by beating Oregon. And the, the Big 12 title game will take care of another one. So you can, you can thin the herd a little bit there. That's for you, Hunters. All right, so we talked a little, uh, we talked a little bit about that. And then we've also been discussing uh, teams that have completely unraveled and who you would like to see completely unravel. I mean, the Warriors going from the NBA Finals to the worst team in the NBA. You can find uh, teams that have gone to the Super Bowl that have had losing records the next year. But typically, they bottom out at like 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and nine. I think the worst team after the year after Super Bowl, when the Niners won their first Super Bowl with Joe Montana, they had a strike the next year. And it messed up the whole season. They only played nine games. And the Niners went 2-7. and seven. That, I think, is the worst follow-up. <laughs> Do a Super Bowl title. In the World Series, the Red Sox, just a few years ago, it was like five years ago, they just they won the title and they were 20 games under 500 the next year. But it is hard to find a team where the wheels have come completely off the way they have with the Warriors. They lose a big guy to free agency, they lose a key sub to retirement, and they lose two future Hall of Famers to injury. And I think... Uh, regardless of whatever Michael Jordan said, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are going to end up in the Hall of Fame. They, they are. And so those guys go down to injury. So the Warriors are now the worst team in the NBA with only three wins. Who do you want to see completely unravel? So we put that up there on Facebook, and we've gotten a lot of rivalry shots. Utah and BYU fans taking shots at each other. And then it just comes down to, as much as we all like winners and say we like excellence, as soon as you show that, everybody, Alabama... Yankees, Lakers, Patriots. They're all taking shots from all of you. Now, there were a couple other ones, a couple outliers. That was kind of the norm. Matt says the Rockets, all day, any day, I remember the battle of the 90s, and I really dislike the Rockets. You know, the cool thing about the Rockets is, no matter how old you are, there are now four straight decades of playoff matchups with the Rockets. Do I think that resonates nationally? Not at all. But does it resonate here? If you are a fan of a certain age, and you reference Harden and a flop, okay, you got it, right? Just recently. But if you go back a decade, and we talk about Tracy McGrady not knowing how... Duran who? Right? Talking about Darren Williams. And then the Jazz win Game 7 on the road in Houston, and then beat him again the next year? Lots of people remember that. Matt is a guy who remembers the battles in the 90s. Stockton obviously hit the shot in Houston. And Houston on the way to the title beat the Jazz twice. And the Jazz on the way to the finals, no title, but on the way to the finals beat the Rockets twice. There were lots of matchups in the 90s. And in the 80s, and I stumbled onto this video and put it on TV in a lead-up to one of the playoff series in the 90s, and I didn't know because I wasn't here what a big deal it was, and it got such a reaction. I'm so glad you put the shot that in there. I wanted to see Hakeem punch the Whopper one more time. Akeem Olajuwon punching Billy Paltz. And you know, if you're 30 years old and you didn't see it, well, you're like me. I moved to town. I didn't know. And it doesn't matter to you. But if you were 15 years old when that happened, that's like your best playoff memory. 
There's a great history with the Rockets. So, Matt, excellent post by you. All right, that's some of the stuff we've been talking about to catch you up to date here. And it's brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. When we come back, your feedback, your tweeting at us, your Facebook posts, we'll get to all that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's important for guys like Urban Meyer to stand up and say, no, you, you got to take a look at this Utah team. If Clemson and Utah played tomorrow, I'd put money on Utah minus three. I think Utah beat Clemson. Now, I know it's it's all guessing. It's all hypothetical. But when I look at what Clemson does well and what Utah can do defensively and what I think they could do offensively, Clemson's done a good job suppressing teams defensively over the last few weeks, but they haven't played a consistent run-based team that works well off play action and has a quarterback playing at, let's be honest, a Heisman level. I just don't want to see this time come and go, have this team be a flash in the pan and then a Rose Bowl win over Minnesota. That's still a heck of a consolation prize. I know what you're saying, but that's still To me, it'd be a letdown. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, I went to the Sugar Bowl, and we didn't have a chance then, but look what we did. We won. I say, bring on LSU or whoever, and let's take care of this thing. Go Utes! Bring on LSU! Go Utes! I love the passion. I would worry about playing LSU. Alabama, when's the last time Nick Saban had a bad defense? And LSU put 46 up on him. And Nick said afterwards, he didn't blame any of his guys. He didn't blame preparations. They have no weaknesses. They have answers for everything. Now give it a shot anyway. Who cares? Go for the gusto. I just don't know that they're going to let you have a shot. All right, it's all brought to you. Time to recap what you think about today's show. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. All right, we've got people uh, weighing in here today. Golden State in town to play the Jazz. The Warriors have gone from the NBA Finals to the worst team in the NBA. Who would you like to see the wheels completely come off of? Rich says, I'd love to see the Cowboys go 0-16 one of these years. They did pull a 1-15, and you know what happened. A couple of years later, they started that run of, uh, they started that run of Super Bowls, and they won three and four years. Mark says, I want the wheels to come off the Lakers. Which of the billions of reasons do you want? Mostly the arrogance of transplanted Laker fans in Utah. Love to see them have issues galore for the next 50 years. Have them become the Clippers from the Donald Sterling era. Lily, Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones is a bleep. Justin, the New England Patriots. The dominance needs to end now. Jared, the Patriots in Alabama. Somebody's sick of a winner. Here's one for you. Mike wants the Kansas City Royals to completely fall apart. It's kind of an outlier here. Sherry, what a positive, uplifting post, DJ. Yuck. PK always says I'm too positive and uplifting. Now she wants me to be more positive and uplifting. What am I supposed to do, Yach? I can't please all of the people all the time. Be TV boy, come on. I know, I'm trying, but I can't please all the people all the time. Yach, what am I going to do? Paycheck is why I live in Utah. 
<sighs> Everything's good. Yay. You know, people who live in Seattle, you love or hate the Seahawks. Just go in. I want the Seahawks to tank. I'm surprised how many people I know from Seattle who hate, who hate the Seahawks. Is there a lot of that here? A lot of people here hate the jazz. Not a lot, because it's not a lot. But is there a significant minority that is hardcore anti-jazz? Because everybody is jazz? Are there contrarians so, here? I don't think so. They're Laker fans. They're not anti-jazz. Yeah. They're not, See, the thing is, team. the people in Utah who don't like Seattle, who move there and move back and all that, we don't have an NFL team here the way the Laker fans have. A, it's not pro some team. It's just strictly anti and here are the people who don't like the Jazz do like the Lakers. Although I wonder about the people who show up, you know, the ones who showed up in the Bulls jerseys before they showed up. They were in the Lakers jerseys, and then they were in the Bulls jerseys, and then they were in the Spurs jerseys, and then they were in the Warriors jerseys. Those are the ones I'm talking about. How big are they? How big is that crowd? Well, we'll solve that problem another day. All right. Enjoy the weekend. You ought to if you root for the Jazz, the Utes, or the Cougars. They've got some opponents here that have got some serious issues. Austin and Tony will talk about that next. Oh, well, maybe Tony won't because Tony's in Jamaica. Is Tony going to join the show from Jamaica? Did it yesterday. Is that an international call? How does that work? Just connected via our network. Let's hear it for internet, right? All right. Love the internet. All right, Tony's coming up with Austin. Tony's going to be talking about Jamaica and their awesome weather. That's next, DJ and PK. See ya.